Welcome to the Life Success and Legacy Podcast. We're super excited. We are taking on a worthwhile endeavor at Life Success and Legacy. Our intention is to honor Nelson Nash, the man, as well as the infinite banking concept. We're going to create a series of resources, including podcasts and text, as a resource for others who want to truly understand with depth and clarity what Nelson shared in his book, Becoming Your Own Banker, as well as the many seminars and think tanks that we were fortunate to have attended during his life. So who is this intended audience? Well, we will use Nelson Nash's own words. It is written for the layman, not for financial advisors, but all life agents should be thoroughly knowledgeable of its content and practice. So whether you are an individual, part of a family, a business owner, or a life insurance agent, this is for you. So sit back, relax, and we will walk you through becoming your own banker step-by-step so you can reference the parts you want to revisit at your own pace. And we might have a little fun along the way. Hey, welcome back to the Life Success and Legacy podcast. My name is Chris Bay, joined here with my friend and business partner, Michael King Everett. How are you, Michael yo, yo. Good yo, morning. Yo. Good morning. <laughs> we are um, on the first page in... Uh, in Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, sorry, the first page of um, the chapter called Creating Your Own Banking System Through Dividend Paying Life Insurance. We got started on the last podcast and made it through part of it, um, but this this chapter is packed full. So we're on page 21 of the fifth edition, and where we're starting is uh, the second full paragraph where it says, the engineers in life insurance are known as actuaries. And during this section of the book, What Nelson does is he really starts breaking down how a life insurance company works, how a life insurance policy is created, some of those those processes and things that he referenced earlier with the the teaching on cogeneration. And so um, now what we're going to do is talk into some of those details of how this works. So, Mike, can you kind of talk us through a little bit what Nelson's talking about as uh, life insurance companies and policies are designed? Well, um, it really all starts with the engineering of the policy. And of course, uh, he talks about actuaries. Actuaries are really just engineers. Um, One of the examples that he uses, even in the paragraph prior to that, is um, automobiles. Mm. Um, You know, automobiles, you got the same exact cars coming down the line. And let's just say that you and I get the same exact vehicle same exact features everything the bottom line is the performance of that car is going to act differently because of the way we drive the car Hmm. and so he uses the example some people are going to get two or three hundred thousand miles out of it some people are going to get fifty thousand miles out of the vehicle even though they're the same exact vehicle so how you drive the car and care for it is far more important than anything else Keep this thought in mind as we look further into the life insurance plan. So in the midst of all of that, you've got the actuaries. These are the guys that design the policy. They they put it with, uh, they, they deal with 10 million selected lives. So out of those 10 million selected lives, they can tell you how many people 
are going to die every year very, very accurately. They're not going to tell you who's going to die, but they can tell you the, the number of people that are going to die. So if that's, if that's the idea, then what they're doing is then after the actuaries have figured all that out, then they throw the thing over to the lawyers and the rate makers, and they figure out how much they're going to charge for this particular product. Now, once this thing is turned over to the lawyers, they create a legal and binding contract. Um, this contract then is what they call a unilateral contract. That means there's equal <laughs> thoughts and this and that uh, that they put with the particular contract. Um, the company then when they create this unilateral contract is, as long as we as owners of the contract meet certain standards and, and meet our premiums and do certain things, then really what happens is the company will pay. Yeah. So. Yeah, so essentially that, it's, that's, it's. That's a broad, broad picture right there. It, it's It's really a, if we do this, they will do that. That's the unilateral contract is that, it's a promise between two private entities. It's yep. between us and the company. And it's a contract that says, as long as we do our part, they're going to do their part. That's correct. And the piece that I love about it is, and, and well, is that if you look at the contract, we are the owners. Yes. And, and that's, that's very important. important. I know we'll unpack yeah. that a little bit. But there's also the the co-generation part of this in that there is a staff, there is um, a system, there are people already in place. When I call to take a policy loan that's or to right. make a loan repayment, there's already a staff that's already established. It's not on my payroll. It's on their payroll. I'm just getting to use them. That's that co-generation piece. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So um, Nelson says, read the contract. And it will tell you very plainly that you are the owner of the contract, not the company. So why is that so important? Well, because we get to make all the determinations and we get to make all of the, uh, the things happen that we want to happen in our financial life. And that's where um, the utilization of the dividend paying whole life insurance policy really, it, it leans heavily to the benefit of the owner of the contract. And that is the most important person in the entire picture. So let's just contrast that with some other financial entities. Take a bank, for example. The money that we deposit in the bank, do we have total control, first rights, access to that money? Not necessarily. Not all I the mean, time. You look back at it, we've referenced this before, It's a Wonderful Life with uh, Jimmy Stewart, <laughs> and the bank, the, the savings and loans shut down and they weren't giving out deposits. Well, it's the same thing that can happen with banks. Yep. Um, and, and there's other institutions, you know, um, if you uh, invest money in certain entities, it's not completely up to you. There are other no. people that can come in and, and shut the doors or change the rules and those kinds of things as well. I mean, I'm just telling. as an example, 
you know, let's back in my teaching days, I had money in a 403B, right? My retirement system. Yeah. I had money in the Kansas uh, Capers, Kansas Public Retirement System. I was not in control of the rules of either of those entities. For example, nope. if I get down the road to the time when I'm going to retire and the government decides to raise uh, uh, taxes, the tax rate on that, I had no control over that. Nope, zero. They can change the rules at any time they want. So the fact that we are the owner and we have first rights and we control and it's a unilateral contract, that is huge in using dividend paying whole life insurance. Okay, let's turn over to uh, page 22 now. Um, it starts talking about some of the responsibilities, talks about the owner must make payments into uh, the plan and yep. then the company, the hired help must put the money to work in order to produce the benefits that are promised. That's one of the questions that a lot of people have is, okay, the company's going to put that money to work if we don't use it. Yeah. Can you talk about one, why is it that we get access to that money? Two, why is the money, why is our policy continuing to grow even though we take loans against it? And then also, how are companies investing our dollars if we aren't using it for loans? Well, first of all, the owner has 100% rights to whatever equity the policy has. So, but you get so many people that will ask us, you know, um, what is the company doing with that money? Mm -hmm. Well, um, first of all, it's a life insurance plan. I'm going to get down to some basics here. It's a life insurance plan. We have certain premiums that we have to make. We call them premium deposits because of the way we engineer the life insurance policy for the client. Um, with that, once we make a premium deposit, the company then has a specific responsibility to go out and invest those dollars. Now, keep in mind, we use mutual life insurance companies. That means that we as policy owners are also a part owner or a stockholder with that particular company. So if I'm a stockholder with a particular company, do I want them to make money? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I want them to go out and invest those dollars to make money because eventually I've got two things that are gonna happen. Number one, I'm gonna die. So I want that company to be able to make payment to my beneficiaries in the death benefit that I have available. Number two, because I am a stockholder, a policy holder in the company, they're actually gonna pay me dividends. So I want them to make money. So in both of those scenarios, me as the stockholder and owner in the company, I want this company to make money because both of those things benefit me and my family. Pretty, pretty simple, I think. Yeah, so what are the kinds of things that life insurance companies invest in? Super conservative stuff. Um, yeah. uh, the bonds, uh, just simple stuff. They, did, mm -hmm. they put money in ultra conservative blue chip stocks. They're not going to go out and put any of our money at risk to where, um, you know, Nelson used to talk about uh, uh, see-through malls. 
you know, back in the day when real estate was on, on, on the big, big rise, people would go out and they would, they would finance giant malls. Well, let me tell you what, giant malls are not a deal anymore. Uh, and so those are, I would call those lost leaders. You're just going to lose tons of money. And you think about what's going on in our, in our society. You go down towns, you go to malls, and stores are empty because uh, in, in this crazy financial world that we live in, um, things are losing tons of money. So once again, back to the insurance company, they're putting money into ultra conservative guaranteed places to make money, even at a, even if it's a low, low interest interest rate that they're getting, they they still make money. Yeah, they. That's the thing that was so attractive to me with this whole concept, uh, and there's various things that really fit well for me, but one was I didn't want my money going into something like a 403B or whatever, where it's invested in the stock market, where, there, where that money is at risk. And I saw that firsthand where teachers were losing their life mm. savings because the market took a hit. Yep. And And so... You know, I didn't know about IBC at the time, but the fact that it that life my money is sitting safe inside a life insurance company that is not taking risk, they just are getting steady upward trends with their investments, that was attractive to me. Now, yep. if I want to go out and risk some money and invest in something else, I can take a loan against my policy and go do something a little more speculative, right? Yep, absolutely. But that is not the purpose of my policy. My policy, I want it to be there. I want to be safe and I want to grow steadily. And that's what yeah. it does for me. Yeah. It's like, a, like a marathon. We're just going to go yep. easy. <laughs> okay. Um, the, Nelson then jumps into the, uh, the, the contract, the policy, and he says it'll plain, it plainly states that the owner outranks every potential borrower in access to the money that must be lent. And what we can borrow is 100% of his equity in the contract. So talk about, you mentioned earlier our, our premium deposits, and, yep. and we're starting to talk about how we can take loans against the policy. Unpack that a little bit for us. Well, um, one of the, uh, the, the hurdles, I'll just say, that we have to overcome, uh, it seems like uh, many, many of the times is, you know, after I've made a premium uh, payment or a premium deposit, how much can I borrow? I mean, we get this all the time. Well, we're going to go back to some simple rules again, Nelson's simple rules. Number one, you got to think long term. So if we are thinking about any investment, and part of the problem is if you go back to the 80s, the 90s, and even the early 2000s, you used to be able to invest something and see a, a return like overnight, it seemed like. But then 08 hit, and then reality happened. And now all of a sudden, even the stock market doesn't do what you think it should. Any investment that you're really wanting to do uh, doesn't perform quite the way you think it should. So um, when we're talking about the equity of a life insurance policy, so keep in mind, it's still life insurance. It has everything to do with how we engineer or reallocate the premium dollars. So what we're doing is we're creating a system to where the equity will slowly grow over time and that because we are the owner of the life insurance contract we have first rights 
of any equity that is inside that policy. So Nelson always correlated the life insurance policy to starting a business. And, and if we look at it from a business standpoint, how long does it normally take a business to become profitable? Well, I'm gonna say anywhere from five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. So the equity is going to be a slow growth, but yet we still have access to any of the equity that is available against the policy. I kind of think of it as like if you break it down for the average American out there who who has a mortgage, right? Right. Um, they're they're paying their 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 payment, their home mortgage payment, right. on a monthly basis, and a yep. percentage of that is going to interest. A percentage of that is going towards the principal, and that principal is starting to build equity. That's the part of the house that they own. That's and right. And so, as they make those payments over the years, they're building more and more equity, and and the bank will actually allow them to take a loan against that equity. What's well, the same thing with a life insurance it's policy? Identical. You're making premium deposits into your policy. You're building the equity in life insurance. They call that mm -hmm. cash surrender value. We call it cash value, but that cash surrender value is what you own what is in there that is your equity and you can take loans against that for any reason that you want you don't have to tell the the life insurance company what you're doing with it <laughs> no you, you don't. can even borrow against your policy to pay the premiums which That's that right. really throws people for a loop you yeah, you're does. saying that i can borrow money against my policy and turn around and pay my premiums with that money and it'll still grow that really that really throws people okay so um, so yes, the, the, the owner outranks every potential borrower yep. and you talked a little bit about how, how much they can get access to, and that's really the equity that they've built up. Um, now this pool of money is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And when we talk about the pool of money, we're talking about the life insurance company's pool of money. Right. That's right. That's right. We have access to a portion of that based on how much we've put into it. But he does say, you know, from time to time, uh, a policy owner will pass away. Somebody's yep. going to die. Right. Yep. And so um, it doesn't happen very often. But when it does, the company pays the beneficiary from the pool of money and the cost of doing so is allocated among the policy owners on an equitable basis. Pretty straightforward. It is. Okay. It is very straightforward. Then he talks about the hired help, the administrators being paid for their work. You can't run a business without hired help, you know, all those kinds of things. One of, one of the um, questions that people oftentimes ask is when they start their policy, and let's say they put in $10,000 in their annual premium. Right. And they get access to a, a percentage of that in available loan value. And sometimes they go, well, why don't I get access to the full 10000 that I just put in? Okay. Talk about yeah. that a little bit from a life insurance company's perspective. Why aren't they going to give us access to the full 10,000 right away? Well, it's just like starting up a business. There's the cost of doing business. You know, when we, when we do an application and we send it into the company, there's, there's underwriting. Um, there's the cost of the exam to make sure that they're healthy enough to get the life insurance plan. 
And all of this is happening behind the scenes, by the way, with the hired help and the administrators at the life insurance company. And after the policy is, is fully underwritten, the exam's done, and they say, hey, yeah, this is a good risk, then they they struck the life insurance policy, then they send the policy out, and then the guys who actually did the work actually get paid. <laughs> so in the midst of all of that, there's some upfront costs. So I always correlate it to starting in business. You know, I, I'm going to use, I've gotten into mountain biking lately, so I'm going to use a, a bike store. So how important is having an inventory if I'm going to have a bike store? Well, number one, I've got to have a location. Number two, I got to buy a bunch of inventory. Number three, I've got to have some accessories for the bike there. So there's a whole bunch of costs that so many people don't see in the midst of that. So I got to get back to some basics here. It's a life insurance policy. So if you paid your premium in the very first month and you died, would you want the equity or would you want the death benefit portion of that? Well, you're going to want the death benefit. Yeah, because it's the bigger number. So the company says that even if you pay a monthly or an annual premium, they will still pay the entire death benefit of whatever that particular premium purchased for life insurance. So there is a whole lot of behind the scenes costs over time. But the great thing about it is over time, if you continue to pay your premium, the value or the equity of your policy continues to get bigger no matter what. Yeah. Engineer so, to get better every single year. Yeah. Yep. And we're going to get into that, um, I think, on our next uh, episode of, uh, <laughs> of our podcast is how this thing gets more efficient every single year. Um, just the, the important piece, just to summarize from this podcast is these policies are designed where if we do what we've signed up for, the company's going to do what they're signed up for. It gets better every year. And the owner is the most important position. And you are the owner of your life insurance policy. You get access to those dollars when you want. And if not, then the company's going to go and invest them safely for you. And they gets better every single year. So, all right, Good Mike, stuff. thanks for joining me. Um, this is a, a fun chapter to get into some of the nuts and bolts of, of IBC and how whole life insurance policies and companies operate. We'll pick it up uh, in our next edition. Till then, check us out at lifesuccessandlegacy.com. And we've got additional podcasts. Uh, we've got interviews with clients. You can get a copy of either the case for IBC or becoming your own banker. Uh, again, that's at lifesuccesslegacy.com. We'll catch you next time. Mm -hmm.